Good morning, and welcome to the broadcast today. I am Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church, Texarkana, Texas, and founder of From His Heart Ministries. I am filling in this week for uh, Dan Celia as he uh, as he fights an illness, and we want to be praying for Dan that God's hand of healing would be upon him, and hopefully he will be back soon. But it's a privilege to be able to be with you today. You know, the Bible says in the last days, difficult times will come. Now that was written by Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. That was written near the end of his life, 66, 67 AD. And he called those the last days. Now, if it was the last days in 66, 67 AD, uh, we are in the last of the last days here in 2022. And uh, we are living in difficult times and it's getting increasingly more difficult. And we desperately need wisdom, wisdom from God to know how to deal with critical decisions and how to just deal with daily decisions. In the book of Proverbs, that's where we get wisdom from God. Proverbs chapter eight says this, does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice on top of the heights beside the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand Beside the gates, at the opening of the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out, To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, discern prudence, and O fools, discern wisdom. Well, it's a great privilege of mine today to welcome to the broadcast a dear friend, somebody I've known for a long time, and somebody who is known for practical wisdom and his humor and his ability to take difficult things and put them in a way that the average person can say, ah, I see that now. I understand that now. And my friend is Dr. Charles Lowry. Charles, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, great to be here. Good morning. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. And I know that uh, you're a busy guy and uh, God has lots of things that he has you doing, traveling the country, speaking to churches and seminars and corporate events and things like that. And, uh, you know, you have seen a lot in your years of being out on the road. And I know that you spend a lot of time with Johnny Hunt and training up young pastors and helping them. Um, with all that's going on in our world, Charles, with COVID, from a psychological perspective, that's your background as doctor of psychology, um, we hear about COVID from a physical perspective, but what do you see from a psychological perspective and a psychological effect on lockdowns and mandates and all those things? Well, the, the, the difficulty with life is that if you don't live it, uh, you end up being dysfunctional. And uh, I use two words with people, that's isolation and inertia. When you get isolated and you, and you quit moving, you get what we call over-solitude. In other words, you, excuse me, I had something in my throat this morning. You, over, you start to overthink things, and you end up uh, becoming uh, what we'd call a psychological or a narcissist. Everything starts to revolve around you and your problems and your difficulties. And if you're not careful, you just, you get lower and lower, you know, and then pretty soon, you, you know, you can, you can play racquetball on the curb, you know, everything, is, <laughs> everything is big, you know, and difficult. And so you have to constantly, you know, the Bible talks about renewing your mind. You talked about wisdom. We live in a day with, we've never had so much information <laughs> and we've never had so little wisdom. 
because the bottom line is the world's the world's a Ponzi scheme. You know, the world is always telling you things that just didn't prove. You know, uh, even our movie. You know, the movie when the guy says life's like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. We all think, well, that's that's wisdom. No, that's nuts. You know, that's crazy thinking. That I'm, you can read the Bible. The Bible says, "Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap." In other words, if you tell me what you're doing, I'm pretty much going to tell you how it's going to turn out. You know, not in the short term, but in the long term, and that's what wisdom is. And so we we've been we've been in a sense isolated. We 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 stop moving. And that's what you have to start. You have to make yourself do. In other words, if you, you know, for example, with me, with COVID, uh, my job involves speaking to large crowds. So uh, my job basically ended, you know, for a long period of time. Right. So I had to work on the psychological, staying healthy, staying moving. That means, you know, exercise. You know, Christians, uh, uh, we sometimes forget that the body is the only thing that God's going to use. And there's and eventually he's going to kill it to get us into heaven. But down here we got to use it. And that's that. It's not you, but it holds you. And so you got to really work at taking care of your body uh, during these times. So you, you continue your exercise program. You may have to do it by yourself. You know, but it depends on you know what stage you live in. But you, you have to continue doing that, and you have to continue renewing your mind. And uh, in a sense, many of us have been in what I call the waiting room. And if you're not careful, you wait in the waiting room instead of living in the waiting room. You got to still keep living, even though you're in the waiting room. And so, I take that word "wait" and think, well, W stands for what am I thinking? So, what am I thinking when I'm in the waiting room? But I continue renewing my mind and thinking the way God wants me to think, or is the world beat me down with what it says? You know, and are my list? Who am I listening to? What am I thinking? Then what am I trying? If you can't, there's certain things you can't control, but you can control you. So what am I, what am I trying? Not what the world's doing, not whatever, but what am I trying to keep healthy, keep psychologically, you know, sound where God wants me. But the key is who am I trusting? Uh, when you're in the waiting room, who am I trusting? In other words, am I trusting the government? Am I trusting my church? Am I trusting my neighbor? Am I trusting God? And that's, that's why we have to continue to renew your mind, that God is the one, that he controls the government, he controls everything. The king's hands, is, they're, they're in God's hands. He, he controls right. things. Right. And yeah, the so, king's... Yeah. so we will learn through this difficulty that, hey, what what we're like. And if we're not careful, we get, you know, we get to thinking bad things. We get to comparing, you know, I, I, pastors, I say, what? What are you thinking? And, and many times they're thinking, well, you know, if I was in another place, you know, you know if I was in another <laughs> state, you know, that. And I said, you know, if if you spend your time looking over the fence in somebody else's field, pretty soon you're going to be in a mess psychologically. Because yes. gratitude stops toxic emotions. And so you got to constantly work on, hey, what am I grateful for that God supplied for me where I am today? You know, even if, you know, the Bible says, whatsoever state you're in, be content. Well, <laughs> you know, if you're in California, that's pretty hard to be content right now. Uh, right. But, but you have to work a little harder at it. and that's, But that's our job is to continually work on that and 
to continue to not be isolated, but continue to have friends and people you can communicate and talk to. Thank goodness we don't have much wisdom today, but we do have a lot of ways to communicate. So That's true. You know, That's I true. Got, I got some pastor buddies that, you know, they know they can call me. I can call them. And uh, you need those guys that you can talk to, that you can be totally honest with, uh, because a pastor has to pretty much be on all the time. When he's in town, when he's at, you know, if he's at the restaurant, he's got to be the pastor. You know, he, he has to be on. Uh, well, you got to be off every now and then so you can be on, you know, when you need to be. <laughs> and right. so pastors need to have buddies they can, you know, I'm a, I'm a golfer that they can go play golf with. They can, even if they have to, put the deacons' names on the golf balls, you know, just to get out of their system, you know. <laughs> Stuff like that, because even if you hit it in the water, then it doesn't bother you very much, you know. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, then it's okay. Those, those friends that you can, uh, I, in my mind, I always have it where you can remember, where you have a listening ear, somebody can just talk to, uh, somebody right. to give you a good cheer, somebody that can encourage you, and then this Amen. is the key, a sensitive tear, somebody you can cry with. You know, I have a, oh. have a best friend and, of mine's wife died, had cancer, difficult time. He just needed somebody to cry with, you know. Amen. Uh, and you need, Amen. you need that. Well, we're talking to Dr. Charles Lowry. We're talking about the psychological effects of COVID on churches and then pastors and on congregants. So you don't want to go away. We'll be right back after the break. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. The world mourned the death of actress Betty White. She entertained us for 70 years. Comedian Bob Saget paid tribute to Betty after her death. Tragically, he died unexpectedly days later. Sadly, in his tribute, he said he didn't know what happens when we die. The Bible is very clear. God's Word says we die once and then face judgment for our sin. Jesus gives us hope by saying those who believe and follow Him will have eternal life. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Sandy Rios. A lot of black Americans are talking about how Black Lives Matter has uh, undermined the, the whole issue of racial injustice. Sandy Rios in the Morning delivers a level of wisdom and insight that's desperately needed during these uncertain times in America. Black, white, brown, all kinds of people are saying to themselves, something is wrong with this picture. Listen Monday through Friday from 7 until 8 Central here on American Family Radio. 
Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. I am filling in this week for Dan Celia and Financial Issues, his program, and uh, we're praying for Dan as he's dealing with sickness that God's healing hand would be upon him. I'm talking to Dr. Charles Lowry, psychologist and former pastor, speaker, speaks all over the world, speaks in churches and for uh, corporate events and in seminars. He has great practical wisdom. And Charles, when you were talking about um, guys that, especially pastors, that compare and constantly look over the fence and see somebody else's field on, oh, if I were pastor here, if I were pastor there. I, I remember when my seminary preaching professor came to Texarkana to do a, a teaching for us. His wife, uh, his name's Wayne McDill, his wife, Sharon, I uh, was going through a really low time at the church. And uh, his wife, Sharon, who's just, uh, she's sweet as can be, but very direct, she said, Jeff, there are a lot of guys who would trade with you right now. And uh, that kind of shocked me back into reality that I need to be yeah. grateful and not just keep looking at the things I don't like. Yeah, so, and that's, that's key because there's it in any situation, there's difficult. I mean, I tell people, if you don't have any aggravation at your job, you don't have a job, you have a hobby. You know, that's, why they, <laughs> that's why they call it work. You know, that's. And uh, especially in the pastorate, you're going to have those difficult times, and and you got to really work on your focus uh, because you will start to compare and think, well, and that's what you know, that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to beat you down, always thinking that you know, if I was in that situation, things would be better. Uh, but there's, there's probably I used to work with a lot of pastors, and they would you know they would switch churches. And then they'd come back in and say, you know, I got this. I said, well, that's the same guy that was at that other church. He just changed his name. <laughs> yes. And that's what you're going to find. You're going to find the same people at the other churches. They're just going to change their name. And uh, you can't, if you're a pastor, for one thing, you can't take it personally. I, my, uh, uh, You know my brother Fred, who pastored a great church in uh, Louisiana. Yes. Uh, we're a member of a mega metro church group, and that's uh, the, the guys who pastor the largest churches in America, which at one time I did. And so you're always staying in that group. And they were talking about what encourages you. And uh, Fred said, well, what encouraged me this year is I went to my brother Charles's church and I found out there's lots of people there that didn't like him. And that was a big <laughs> encouragement to me. And I thought, well, thank you, brother. You know, but then he went on to explain that, that Fred is an uh, introvert. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm introverted. I don't talk like people like Charles does. He's always telling jokes and taking them to play golf. And everybody likes Charles. He's got that personality. But I'm an introvert. People, you know, sometimes see me as aloof. And he said, but then I went to Charles's church and I found out, well, some people, they don't like Charles. And then I realized he's the same guy. He has the same personality, but he's changed positions. Now he's pastor. And they don't like him not because of his personality. They don't like him because he's pastor and he makes decisions that they don't like. And that's what you have to understand as a leader. You cannot take it personally. It's not your personality. Any leader is going to make decisions that people don't like. And if you start taking it personally, you're going to start beating yourself up and you're going to go down a downward path. That's not a good path. So you have to constantly be reminded and renew your mind and let people tell you, hey, this this comes with the territory. This is part of it. And that's why you need things to get away and and uh, 
to, to actually loosen your halo a little bit and, and have some fun. I I heard Bill Heibel say one time, and we know that Bill went a, you know had some difficulty later in his ministry, but I heard him say one time that he was at the peak of his game. He was preaching the best sermons he's ever preached. Many people were coming to Christ, had the largest crowds ever. His quiet time was longer than ever. He is working out every day. He was not a pound overweight. And then he said this, and I craved anything cheap and superficial. And that's a guy who is trying to be so spiritual all the time, and he was about to burn out. And that's the way it is with pastors. You cannot be, you're not Jesus. You cannot be that spiritual all the time. You have an Adam suit. I call it your earth suit, your Adam suit. And your Adam suit has not been redeemed. It'll never be redeemed. God's got to kill it to get you into heaven. It's not going to happen. And so that Adam suit, you got to take it to play golf. You got to go, you know, to see, you know, sit by a large body of water somewhere or look at the mountains every now and then. Uh, Or else you'll be involved in tension relieving activities all the time. And then you'll get a habit that you can't handle instead of goal-achieving activities because when you come back to work or whatever, you're ready, you're refreshed, you're ready to go. You cannot right. ignore your Adam suit and keep yeah. doing spiritual things all the time. And pastors a, think they can sometimes, and they can't. Yeah, that's a, that's a good out. word. Uh, that's a good word, Charles, because pastors are people. Uh, I Demont Shook, our yeah. our mutual friend, he used to tell me mm-hmm. early in my ministry as I was working underneath him, he said, Jeff, church members see that there are men, women, and then pastors. They're like a different creature. And he said yeah. they just have different uh, expectations for you because, quote, unquote, you're the pastor. And, uh, yeah. you know, the reality is we're just we're just people. Uh, God That's has called right. us I tell, people. I always tell pastors, when you speak, when you start thinking that you're not human, you're headed for trouble because you are human. And we all have difficulties and we all have things that we've got to do to relieve the stress uh, because we're humans. If you, if you know, if you're not, if you think you're not human, just go a few days without eating. You know? <laughs> uh, it won't happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. But pastors in a unique role because of that. And that's why we talk about those friends and, and one of those things a friend needs to do also is, is is have the truth without fear, to be able to tell you the truth. You know, pastors have to realize that sometimes their difficulties, people won't tell them the truth about it. And that's why they need the friends who will do that. Because truth, especially if you're in a large situation, I tell these presidents of companies or whatever, truth rarely goes upward. It goes downward, but truth rarely goes upward. And you need somebody below you who's, who loves you enough to tell you the truth. You know, when they see you doing some things that, hey, you may be headed for some difficulty here. And right. uh, we all we all need those people in our lives because if we're not careful, we just deny those things. And we think, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm OK. You know, everybody's OK. You, know, you ask the pastor how you doing. I'm, I'm doing great. You know, but right. have somebody who's telling the truth that, hey, it looks like you're struggling in this area. And yeah. uh, it's. And it's pretty typical, you know. I mean, David got into trouble. Uh, he was a man after God's own heart, but he lost his sense of mission. You know, he, he in a sense, was decided, I'm not going to go to war this time. And then he, uh, he, you know, he didn't have Jonathan, didn't have that male friend anymore. 
and then he didn't control his environment, he you know ended up and he ended up in trouble. And many pastors end up in trouble because of those kind of things they have to constantly work at. And uh, I think COVID has made it more difficult because it's it's just harder to to do those activities. And and then you know uh, unfortunately pastors live on. Uh, that external rewards like everybody else. And when church attendance and all that difficult, then uh, we start to measure our self-esteem about that. And that's why we got to have these other people in our lives to continue to say, hey, no, you're, you're doing great. <laughs> right. They can't come. <laughs> they won't let them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Charles, what do you see when you do the uh, Timothy Barnabas things with Johnny Hunt and you're dealing, you're, you're encouraging young pastors um, what are you seeing that's going on with them right now? Well, I think they're realizing it's, you know, churches, COVID in a sense has helped in, a, in one way in that we, we, we really have to be the church instead of go to church. Uh, and I think that these young pastors are realizing that the next generation, for example, they don't give for commitment. They give for compassion. You have to really let the next generation know what's going on. They're they're not they weren't raised just to obey authority, and so uh, because of that, you have to teach them in a different way. I think than than our generation. Uh, so when you for for example in giving, you have to let them know what what this is going to do, what this is going for, and uh, I think. The young pastors get discouraged about that because they grew up thinking, hey, I'm just going to do this and do that, and it's going to work, and it's it's not working. So I think – and, and unfortunately, a lot of our seminaries, we, we teach knowledge, you know, that, that – I think the world is going to change because we're, Christians are attracted. Daniel was 10 – in the Bible there. It's a great Old Testament story where Daniel just said, look, I know you think this God is the God, you know, but my God says this. And why don't we just have a little, you know, we all talk a lot about science these days. Daniel says, why don't we have a little scientific experiment? Uh, Why don't you do what you say your God wants you to do? I do what my God says do, and let's just see who lives better lives. Mm. And the Bible says he was 10 times better. Now, I go to lots of churches. I promise you, all of our members in our churches, most of them know 10 times more about the Bible than the world does. They, they know 10 times more. But if you ask them, are your lives 10 times better than, the, than your neighbors? They would say, not even close. And that's why we're not attractive. People don't want to be like Christians anymore because we're not living 10 times better. Uh, mm. And I think our churches have got to get to the point where we're teaching people how to live, not just biblical knowledge. And that's, I think that's what these younger generation guys are realizing, that we've got to figure out how do we, how do we put this in people's lives so it applies to where they live every day, or they're not going to they're, they're learn just for knowledge. Right. I, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a I think group. those... Those things go together, so you have to know the biblical truth. It's like the book of Ephesians, uh, three chapters of positional truth, then three chapters of practically living it out. And both yeah. of those are, are critically important, and we probably do a lot better on the positional truth than on the practical 
uh, side of yeah. that and living that out. So that's what I love about you, Charles, is you're very, very practical and uh, practical wisdom. And God has really gifted you in that way. And so um, we are talking uh, with Dr. Charles Lowry, psychologist and Christian speaker who speaks around the world, talking about COVID and the effects of COVID. We're talking about uh, pastors and churches and how we can be the people God wants us to be. Uh, to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs to see Jesus. The Lord calls us to shine for Christ and share what good things uh, the Lord has done for us and how he's had mercy on us. We are to be billboards for Jesus Christ everywhere we go, that there's joy and peace and love and power. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message. Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net This is Don Shank with today's global update from the Tide Ministry, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide in the languages people were born to speak. After 75 years of global radio outreach, we are truly humbled by the way God is using the Tide Ministry to draw people into His loving embrace. It's exciting to hear from people around the world about how they first heard the gospel through one of our radio programs. Our Diamond Vision first aims to amplify our outreach so even more people can hear about Jesus. We've defined magnify as the second facet of the Tide Diamond Vision. We are extremely grateful for the generous support donors joyfully provide, and magnify defines how we hope to build on that foundation by raising awareness and inspiring more people to engage with us and shine the light of Christ into hearts shrouded in spiritual darkness. To learn more about the Tide Diamond Vision to magnify local support and engage donors across North America so that more people may hear the good news, visit thetide.org. That's thetide.org. Raising Godly Boys with Mark Hancock. When's the last time you went on a scavenger hunt? Well, you know, they're making a comeback. Teenagers especially like the competitive aspect of searching for and finding a bunch of weird objects all in the fastest time possible. Searching for plastic flamingos is hilarious, but don't forget to teach your son about the importance of searching for wisdom in God's Word. More than ever, today's secular culture teaches boys that life is all about fun and pleasure. The Bible has a higher perspective. It tells us that our ultimate goal is to worship the Lord and to serve Him. Sounds easy enough, but it isn't. That's why it's vital that we daily search the scriptures for wisdom and instruction. Help boys find wisdom along life's journey. Learn more at TrailLifeUSA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Dig deeper with free resources at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com. 
Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. I'm filling in this week for Dan Celia. As Dan battles an illness, we want to be praying for him that the Lord would bring healing to his body and bring him back uh, very, very soon. Well, we're talking to my good friend, Dr. Charles Lowry. We're talking about uh, COVID and COVID-related issues as far as how that affects Christians, how that affects pastors, and uh, just the difficulties that's caused in our world. Uh, Charles, I heard a statistic. I think it might be a little bit high, but let's let's just uh, make it conservatively low. Still a lot. 75 to 100 churches per week close in America. Now, I know that you speak in a lot of different churches you have for many, many years, uh, big churches, small churches, medium-sized churches. What do you see? If you were to give a, a report card on the churches in America today, what would you say? Well, I would say that we're in trouble. You know, we. Uh, I would go back to uh, what I said earlier. I think we've, we've majored too much on knowledge. We've made churches almost seminaries and uh, seminaries monasteries. You know, we haven't put the idea in the people's lives that this is this is not just knowledge this is this is life you know this is life changing material and we've got to we've lost that evangelistic zeal where people always say well to me especially in recovery movements and these kind of things they say well you know when i get together i'm going to help other people well that's totally backwards the way you get it together is by helping other people. Mm. And we've got to get that zeal back to our people that we're, we're not, we're not, we don't really go to church. You know, we are the church and out there is where our ministry is. And that uh, healthy things grow. And when, when it becomes unhealthy, it dies. And, uh, you know, if you go to the, where babies are being born and the hospital, it's a happy place. Uh, but if you go to other parts of the hospital, it's not very happy. And that's why you got to keep keep them uh, that idea of we are here for the people who aren't yet here yet. And uh, once you lose that, once we think that we're just for us in here, we die. If we continue to think we're here for those people out there, we live. And that's the constant struggle. Uh, that I think pastors have. Well, I mean, I talk to pastors, and uh, we want uh, our body is selfish. We're selfish, and we always want. Well, what's what's in it for me? What's what's good for me? Uh, which Jesus taught it totally opposite. What's in it for other people? You know, I'm going to bless you, but you bless other people. And God is our resource in doing that. And God says, I'll take care of you, but you got to start taking care of other people. And uh, once we lose that, then God says, okay, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> if you're out just for yourself, then you're on your own. But if you're out there for me and trying to bless other people and tell other people about me, uh, then I'm going to bless you. And uh, I think he continues to do that. You still see churches. I still go to churches that are growing like crazy, but they are, they're so outreach-oriented. And if, if we're not careful, we... Like I go to churches and they, you know, they'll say, "Well, wasn't that great worship?" And they're talking about the singing. 
you know, and, and now we've gotten so good at singing. I mean, we got great musical talent, you know, in our churches. Uh, but isn't it interesting that in the New Testament, we don't have any record of Jesus singing a song? <laughs> I mean, look at it. Uh, now, one, there was with a group one time where they sang a hymn, and he was there, and he may have, he may have you know, he may have, I don't know. But to me, worship is not about raising your hands. It's about reaching out your hands. You know, true worship is loving people who really are very unlovable. You know, that's what Jesus did. I mean, even when he was dying, you know, he he, he gave a guy, you know, uh, the chance to go to heaven, and, and he went to heaven, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's all, if that becomes our focus again, we will get healthy again. But we've almost become this great, wasn't that great worship, and we're talking about singing, Uh and then we go out thinking, man, we're, we're great. You know, we're great worshipers. Well, I'm not sure we are, you know, unless we're winning people to Christ and and our lives are, are an attraction to people coming to Christ. And right. people, get ha- people get happy when they start doing that. You know, meetings yeah. divide people. Ministry molds people together. You know, it's like Amen. on the front lines of a war. The front lines of the war. Your buddy's your buddy. I mean, you're together. But back back there, you know, uh, back there in the camp, you know, you have fights over meetings. But out there on the front lines, <laughs> you know, you're, you're covered for each other. And right. that's the way that uh, we've lost a little bit of that uh, in the church. And then sadly, you know, if we don't recover it, it's going to continue that, that downward spiral. Uh, right. I, I go to... Uh, but then I think that's our only hope. We've, we've got to get back to what what made us what made churches great is that we've got to win people to Jesus again. Uh, you know, I, Charles, I think about the Gadarene demoniac. He, he's one of the greatest Christians in the New Testament. Uh, the Lord changed his life. Yeah. And he was so excited about it. He went and told everywhere, everybody in the, the 10 cities, the Decapolis, what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Um, yeah. I, I think about him a lot because it's like, uh, I, I think one of the dangers that we have as Christians, as pastors is we get kind of callous to our own salvation. We lose the wonder and the joy of what the Lord has done for us. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, you look at a lot of our Christians, they're not glad they're mad. You know, I, I said, you know, did the angels show up and say, I got a plan to make you miserable for the rest of your life? You know, or did they show up and say, hey, I got great news. This is great joy. This is good stuff. I tell people I got hot dog Christianity. Y'all got dog-tired Christianity. You know? uh, yeah. I mean, we ought to be saying, hot dog, this is good stuff. You know, this is great. You know, this book, you know, we, unfortunately, if we're not careful, you'll make it a rule book to condemn people who do things that you don't do. You know, that, that's our human nature. Instead of a grace book to say, hey, God loves you. Let me tell you about this. Uh and I think we've lost that, and we have to get it back. And I think it is, one way is is relationships. You know, I talk about relationships all over the country, and I think they call it the great divorce now. We've got lots of people in our churches who didn't have great relationships, didn't have great marriage. And I tell people, you know, life really begins when the kids leave home and the dog dies. That's when life really begins. <laughs> but you have to be ready for that. And... uh 
you remember the book of Job, you know, Job lost his family, lost everything. The only thing he had left was his wife. I mean, and he turned to his wife for a little encouragement. Everybody knows what Mr. Job said, you know. Right. Mr. Job, curse God and die. I mean, how'd you like to be married to Mrs. Job? I mean, and you wonder what happened there. Well, what happened there happens to a lot of couples, even in churches. And that's why I call it the great divorce. Kids leave home, dog dies, and they just have each other. And they don't have a relationship anymore because it was all built on the kids and everything else. And uh, that's why we, you know, in our churches, in a lot of other churches, I usually do a relationship conference because it, relationships, everything. I mean, I've worked with billionaires, millionaires, Dallas Cowboys, you know, they need help. And so, uh, <laughs> and er- Every every person I've worked with, uh, it doesn't matter if they're president of a company or got millions or three or four houses. If they're not happy in their relationships, they're not a happy they're not a happy person. Relationship says it all, and uh, that's that's one of the keys in our churches too. Is we can we can convince people. You know, I, I, I call these pastors sometimes, or they call me and they say, well, we want to do a revival. I said, well, I don't do revivals because only Christians show up. You know, Why don't we do a relationship conference and uh, lots of people will show up and we'll have a chance to win them to Jesus because everybody wants to know about relationships. And it's, mm. if, we, if we use things like that as our evangelism tool, then we will be able to, to reach people. But if we go back to the same old, same old that we've always done, it won't happen. We gotta literally find out what where they're hurting and somehow get them uh, in the church. So we we get, we do have the answer, <laughs> but we're not uh, we're not asking the right questions. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, Charles, you know we've seen a lot of uh, fear in people, uh, Christians. Sadly, Christians and non-Christians t- together seem to have so much fear on the COVID front and. Uh, that's been disheartening to me as a pastor to see people that, man, I thought you really trusted the Lord. And, you know, you may not admit it, but you're really fearful of this virus. So yeah. tell me, are you seeing that too as you travel around? Yeah, well, I think, you know, fear is the uh, the dominant emotion for most of us, because if you think about Adam, you know, uh, he was afraid, you know, he was, he was afraid, uh, because he'd sinned, you know, he knew how sorry, no good he is, you know, and, and deep down, we all know how sorry, no good we are. Uh, and, and in a sense, we don't, we don't know, we don't want God to find out when, when he already knows, like Adam, he already knew, you know, when he came to find him, he already knew, you know, uh, God already knows how sorry, no good we are. And, uh, we've somehow got to get back to that fact that we have to trust God because we are sorry and no good. <laughs> There's no good in any of us. We're, we all got this Adam suit that that your Adam suit does not want to act better. It wants to feel better. It does not want a plan. It wants a pill. It does not want education. It wants medication. I promise you. That's everybody's Adam suit. Amen. And you've got that's... to constantly deal with that. And that's why you got to constantly renew your mind because faith is the only thing that's going to overcome fear. And you've got to feed your faith. You know, if you feed your fears, you're going to be afraid. Amen. Amen. We're talking to Dr. Charles Lowry. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God, and our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Here are Tim and Riley Wildman for the AFA Foundation. Riley, I know Dan Celia uh, works with us at the AFA Foundation. In fact, he advises you guys all the time, and you hear about him talk about the AFA Foundation on his radio program. Uh, so you work closely with Dan? Yes, sir, I do. And so it, so does Chelsea and Jessica. So Dan Celia of, of Financial Issues, the charitable gift annuity is probably the most popular product, if you will, that you guys offer in the AFA Foundation. What does that do? You basically give a lump sum to AFA, and then in return, you receive a fixed amount uh, coming back to them for the rest of their life. And then when they pass away, the money is left to AFA to um, leave a legacy. Contact Riley Wildman and her staff at afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543, extension 345. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here filling in for Dan Celia as he uh, fights an illness and hopefully will be back very, very soon. But I'm here this week talking to Dr. Charles Lowry. And we, as we uh, ended that last segment, we were talking about how you conquer fear. Uh, the Bible says that God has given us the armor of God to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And one of the devil's big uh, weapons against us is to shoot those fiery arrows of temptation and circumstances and situations to produce fear. So we lift up the shield of faith, and with the shield of faith, we're able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And so it is very important to, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's very important to uh, cling to the promises when the storm begins to rage so that you can keep your heart and your mind centered in Jesus. Isaiah 26, verse 3, one of my favorite verses, and you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Dr. Charles, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about those who have experienced loss during COVID. Uh, we all have uh, friends and, and neighbors who have uh, who've experienced the devastating loss of a loved one because of the, the COVID-19 virus. Um, I know that you personally have experienced loss in your life. So what would you say to somebody that's that's just really, really struggling because they, they don't understand? Okay, let me let me just uh, finish fear, and then I'll, I'll go to loss right quick because I want to make this point about the cross. The cross is the worst thing that could happen to anybody. 
and God made it the best thing for everybody. And if you focus on the power of God, even what seems to be bad eventually can be good. And so fear just means you give the power to the wrong people. If you give if you give power to people, you will pity yourself because you think what they do to you can destroy you. But if you give the power to God, you'll pity other people. You hate what they do, but God's the one with the power, and eventually God can get good out of it because he can even get good out of the cross. And if you think that way, then people don't have power over you or circumstances. Only God is the one with the power. But you just have to fo- continue to refocus on that uh, to mm. fight the fear. Lost, uh, you know, if you told me when Penny and I got married that we would have a grandchild that we lost at age two, and then we'd have another granddaughter that have a stroke at 18 months and have a rare brain disease, I would thought, you know, I, I don't know if we can get through that. Uh, but we did get through that. And you have to learn that. This world is not our home, and this world, bad things happen. Uh, I don't know who said it, but he said, life's like an onion, and you peel it, and you cry. And that's what's going to happen. You are going to cry in this world. It's going to be difficult. And I, I don't think we, uh, we let people at church know that enough. We think, well, the Christian, you know, become a Christian, everything's great. No, if you become a Christian, then you got to, you know, a balance of three dollars, and uh, you accept Christ, then you go have a balance of three dollars. I mean, it, it, it's going to be there, and and God's not going to redeem that body. Uh, it, it's going to eventually die. You know, it's it's going to get older and older, <laughs> and uh, uh, so what you have to focus on. And I always go back to the Book of Job because. Job reached a point in life where we all have to reach, and it's, it's a difficult place to go, but it's, it's where we all have to eventually go, and that is this. You have to reach a point where you are honest enough with yourself to say, I don't understand, and I never will understand, but I still trust God. Mm. And that's the difficult place to be. Because it's, in your mind, it's not fair. It shouldn't happen. You know, you've tried to serve God. Why would this happen to you? Uh, Job never understood. And God said, basically took him to the woodshed. He said, look, Job, uh, let's talk about creation. Let's talk about whose world it is. Is it your world or is it my world? And then he, you know, he goes through all these questions with Job, like, you know, like, uh, question after question, where were you? Where were you there when I created the world? When I created gravity, he talks about the wisdom it parts. In other words, when I created your brain, Job, you know, one year they're going to get all excited about, you know, processing and computers. I put one inside your brain, Job. How did I do that? And question after question. And finally, Job got to the point where we all get and says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. In other words, I know who you are. You're the, you're the king of the world. You created it. It's your world. It's not mine. And therefore, I repent in dust and ashes. And mm. that's, that's the point we all have to get to, that it's God's world. We will never understand it. And we'll, there'll be times when you can't celebrate life, so you just have to celebrate the Lord, that he is going to give you life back one day. Amen. And, uh, you know, those kids, 
he, Job lost all of his kids. And then in the in the last of, of the book of Job, he gave back Job twice as much as he had of everything else, twice as much land, twice as much everything. But he gave him the same amount of kids. But that was a comfort to me because that's telling me he didn't have to give him twice as many kids back because he didn't lose his other kids. God just saved them for him. He's still there. <laughs> and so he gave him just the same amount of kids because he still had his other kids. And that's that's what you all got to go back to is that we do not understand. But the only way Job got through it, the only way we got through it, and the only way anybody would get through it is, and this is in the Old Testament, it's probably the oldest book ever. Job says, although my body will be eaten by worms, it's pretty crude. He said, although my body will be eaten by worms, he said this, I know my Redeemer lives. That's, Amen. that's the only way you get through it. You know your Redeemer lives. And Amen. one day, one day I will see him. That's what Job said. And that's the only way he got through it. And that's the only way we'll get through it is we have to know that our Redeemer lives and that one day we will be restored. And so you have to celebrate the Lord when you can't celebrate your life. Amen. And you have to be willing to comfort others and go through those kind of things because they yeah. will. we all will at some point. Uh, Charles, and, I remember and, it. Yeah, I, I, I remember yeah. hearing from my my friend, mutual friend, uh, John Bassanio, when I was going through some hard times some years ago, and uh, he was he was helping me through some difficulties at the church, and this was this was probably I don't know five or six years before he died, but he said, Jeff, Romans eight twenty eight is still in the book. And we know that yeah. God causes all <laughs> yeah. things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And uh, you're exactly right. You got to cling to the truth and rejoice in the Lord, even when everything else seems terrible, because he's the same yesterday and today and forever. He's faithful and true. He loves us. And he is working those things together for good. Yeah. And when, when people are going through that, I would, I would and I always tell people, we need to learn how to comfort, especially guys. Guys, you know, tend to run, you know, and so fun. Guys need to stay, you know, when you feel like running, stay. And when you feel like not going to somebody's house, you need to go. Uh, even when you don't know what to say, because they will, they will appreciate you being there. Not, not, not what you say. They need your shoulder, you know, not your mouth anyway. Uh, but when people go through difficult times, what you need to do is you need to help them not totally retreat from life. They need to grieve. But the routine of life is what keeps people sane. And so you need, to, for example, if, if, a, if a lady needs to do carpool and do certain things, then you help her with that. And eventually you help, you go maybe go with her while she does that. But you don't let them totally retreat from life and what we call over solitude and just continue to just overthink everything because getting back into the world is what's going to keep you sane. And uh, so you don't totally take over. Some people, they say, well, I'm going to go do everything for them. You know, I'm just going to let them just grieve. Well, that's fine for, for a while, but don't, don't do everything for them for a long period of time because you're, that's what we call unhelpful, harmful help. You help them get back into life because life is what keeps you sane. You know, you can't, you can't just, that over solitude will eventually do you in. 
And you, you probably know people who something happened at some point in time, and they never they never went back to live it again. No, they, they just they, get they're stuck. Still there. They're still there, and that's what that's not true comfort. So comfort is helping those people get through the grieving process, but then re-enter life again because God's not through with them yet, and they, and they can minister to other people. Uh, who are going through? Who will eventually go through those difficult times too? Because it's, it, it's. I mean, good health is just a slower way of dying, folks. We're all <laughs> we're all headed there. You know? <laughs> That's uh, for sure. You know, uh, yeah, Charles, I think of. I think it runs in years. So. <laughs> it does. I, I tell our church a lot what what the Lord said to to Saul of Tarsus when he became Paul the Apostle through Ananias. Uh, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Paul knew on the front end, this Christian life is going to have a lot of suffering in it. And so when yeah. bad things happened to him, he wasn't you know, floored by it. Like, wait, I didn't know it was going to be like this. He knew in the yeah. Christian life, it's not all honey and no bees. There are lots of bees. And yeah. that's just the way it is. Well, our guest today was Dr. Charles Lowry, a wonderful man of God and a wonderful friend. If you'd like to know more about Charles, you can go online to charleslowry.com. His last name is spelled L-O-W-E-R-Y, charleslowry.com. He has great resources and uh, a wonderful person to bring into your church to encourage the church members, to encourage your pastor. And so I would encourage you to... Uh, to check out his website. Dr. Charles, thanks so much for being with us today. You are a blessing, my friend. I look forward to getting together with you soon. And uh, let me just encourage you to shine for Christ and share his story as, uh, as we present Jesus to the world, the only Savior. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.